Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash bookshow. Then go over to morbidlybeautiful.com as we are now part of the Morbidly Beautiful Podcasting Network. Ladies and gentlemen, we interrupt our program of dance music to bring you a special bulletin. That's right, the sirens are still going off in the background there. Man, we just can't escape this this terrible, terrible situation we found ourselves in all summer long. The Spook Show Summer Disaster. And this week it's a, it's a disaster of different proportions. This is more of like, it's a disaster that is maybe kind of uh, capped off at the knees before it, <laughs> before it really, <laughs> you know, gets bad. It's the beginnings of a disaster. And uh, we'll get into that. And, that. and that's probably a fair spot right now to go ahead and get out on Front Street. We do spoilers here. So if you have never seen yep. The Thing from 1982, which is what we're about to go into, man, what the fuck? Like, for real, just <laughs> pause. Go watch it. Go watch it multiple times. Then come back and listen to us talk about it. Because this one, uh, we, you know, we don't want us to spoil it for you if you haven't seen it. And uh we re- highly recommend that you do. I'm going to go ahead and say that out right out here on, you know, at the beginning. So go check it out and come back. But regardless, uh, yeah, this, this is a, it qualifies for the reasons that like, and once you watch the movie, you'll, you'll understand why it qualifies. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, this was Will's choice. And unfortunately he's not here to even talk about it with us. Uh, he had something going on, so he couldn't make it, but you do got Josh and you got Donnie. Yep. And the Professor Smoke. What's up? And, uh, of course, we are the All-American Spook Show, so we're, we're glad you came to join us this week. And th- this is actually appropriate, because, I mean, like, it is... I don't know where you are here in the United States, but it's hot as shit <laughs> everywhere we are. It's just... It's, yeah. It's altogether hot, so it's good to kind of bring the temperature down here, right? Watch this movie that's based in Antarctica. Oh, yeah. <laughs> kind of cool us down a few degrees, at least. Yeah. At least in your mind, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Maybe you should watch it under like with the air conditioner blowing right in your face. Cool glass of lemonade. It'll cool you down a little bit. But yeah, the and I think we discovered unless there's something I'm forgetting about, this is the first time we we've done anything by John Carpenter here on <laughs> on the Spook Show. I mean, as far as directorial, yes. Yes, yes. Like yeah. we have done the uh what the three new Halloween, the new the newer trilogy. Yeah. Done those. So those are connected to John Carpenter and he did work on them with the uh, soundtrack. But as far as like straight from the mind, quote unquote, and the things that he directed, this is the first time we've done anything, which smoke, that's a minor miracle, right? Yeah. I don't know how we managed to unintentionally do that, but we did. <laughs> yeah, completely unintentional because I think we're all yep. huge John Carpenter fans. I can speak for myself okay. for sure. And yeah. there's, there's tons of them I want to get to that we just haven't got to yet for one reason or another, but, uh, you never know. Maybe fast forward to this October, you know, we got our fifth anniversary coming up. You never know what we might have in the locked and loaded in the chamber. Right. I got a, I smell a big month coming in October <laughs> this year, big, big anniversary month. So wait and see, wait and see. But until then though, we still got plenty of the spook show summer disaster. And, and, you know, if you haven't listened to any of this, so far this summer, the entire premise is 
disaster movies, but different types of disaster movies, not just uh, natural disasters, but ecological disasters, alien invasions, zombie apocalypse, even uh, uh, fucking tornadoes made up of sharks. A little bit of everything here all summer long and over on our YouTube channel, which you can go to by going to aaspookshow.com. We call that the center of the Spook Show universe. From there, you can get to our YouTube channel. You can get to our Patreon, which is also patreon.com slash aaspookshow. You can go to our podcast archive. All 170 or so previous episodes are all archived over there. So um, you don't have to listen to them in order, obviously, because we're just talking about random movies. But we recommend you listen to all of them. Some of them we recommend for sure you listen to us talk about it rather than watch the movie. Because we are a spoiler podcast, so if there's a movie that you're kind of on the fence about that probably sucks, just listen to us talk about it. and <laughs> We can save you the pain of watching an hour and a half piece of, piece of crap, right? Right. Yeah. And of course, yeah, there's, on there, or you can go and listen to our street trash, which we recommend that movie, but that's probably, yeah, that, arguably one of our most entertaining episodes. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Uh, it's it's. I, I dare say it's top ten. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. It's, it's Easily. a top ten episode. Um. Yeah. Just go go check it out. Lot, lots of good stuff there. So uh, yeah. Without any further ado, because we want to talk about this one, let's go ahead and toss to the trailer for the thing. something. For 100,000 years, it was buried in the snow and ice. Now it has found a place to live, inside, where no one can see it, or hear it, or feel it. I know I'm human. Some of you are still human. This thing doesn't want to show itself. It wants to hide inside an imitation. It'll fight if it has to, but it's vulnerable out in the open. If it takes us over, and it has no more enemies. Nobody left to kill it. And then it's one. You guys gonna listen to Gary? He can beat one of those things! Right, there we go. That's uh, the trailer for John Carpenter's The Thing, which is actually the only other title that I could find for the movie was John Carpenter's The Thing. So <laughs> you might hear mm-hmm. it either way, right? Uh, otherwise, it was just different interpretations of the title The Thing, you know, in other countries. Yeah. Um, like, well, not to be confused with the original film, right? That's kind of, well, we'll get into the fact of whether you want to consider this a remake or not. And that's dependent on whether something's based on a pre-existing movie. We'll get into that, too, I guess. Well, I'll leave that. uh, Honestly, I'm going to talk about it now for a second, but I'll leave that up to you because I have never seen the original. I know that it's out there, and I've heard that it's pretty good, but I've never sat down and watched the original or, you know, that one that is. 
sci-fi. Yeah, no, have I. No, it's a uh, you know John Carpenter. It's one. Of, it was one of his favorites, and you'll see it if you ever watch Halloween. He puts in there. It was a. It was kind of a common thing, I guess, for the thing from another world, the 1950s version, to play on a TV on Halloween. Uh, and he, you know, he puts that in his movie Halloween, and where the babysitter, you know, Laurie Strode, and then kids are watching the thing. Uh, but that was called The Thing from Another World is actually the full title of the 50s one. Uh, it's just been shortened to The Thing over the years. Most people just call it that. So, so yeah, this and it was based on, though, a novel or a novella by John W. Campbell called uh, Who Goes There from 1938. And so that's what led me, led me into that or to say that before is, like, do you consider a movie that's based on a pre-existing work if another movie comes along later down the road and uses that same pre-existing work to base its movie on, would you call it a remake? I think I it depends I mean, on how faithful it's trying to be to which material. You know what I mean? Like, clearly, they're, he's trying to... Because I haven't read the book, and I haven't seen that, you know, the thing from another world. But yeah. it seems to me, from all I read, is that it's it draws... Uh, from a little bit of both, but probably more from the novella, right, than it does that movie yeah. in particular. Yeah, definitely, yeah. The movie, the, the novella is kind of in that Pulp Fiction sort of category that uh, that H.P. Uh, Lovecraft would be in, you know, Robert E. Howard or whatever, that type of, uh, of storyline, sort of cosmic horror. And this movie actually plays a lot like Lovecraft, I mean, as well as the novella. I mean, that, that story is probably, ba- you know, very influenced by Lovecraft, I think, when he wrote that, so. Uh, but yeah, the movie, the tentacled alien type things and, you know, very Lovecraftian. So. But yeah, it, the movie, the original 50s movie is not going to be able to have the type of gore, gore and whatever that this did or the, the type of special effects this movie had with the tentacled, yeah. you know, things everywhere and all that stuff. It's very, uh, does have that sort of claustrophobic, you know, feel because it's in Antarctica and the same premise for, for the most part is just not as elaborate as, like I said, they, they you know, they didn't have those types of effects in and the gore and whatnot. So, uh, but it is a very good movie. And I definitely recommend the 50s version as well for that atomic horror type stuff. Well, this one that we're here to talk about was released June 25th, 1982. So we're actually not too far removed from the, uh, the, uh, what would this be? The 41st anniversary? Cause the 40th would have been last year. So this has been out yeah. uh, almost exactly roughly, you know, a little past, uh, when we're recording this, uh, 41 years, it came out. Uh, but it was produced by the Terman Foster Company and distributed by Universal Pictures. Uh, of course, this is rated R. Actually, it says rated 16 plus on IMDb, but like that's basically the the old R certificate, right? The same thing. Uh, total runtime of one hour and 49 minutes. IMDb listed as a horror, mystery, sci-fi, which you know I think those are all appropriate. Yeah. Here. The movie was filmed in British Columbia, Canada. You know, various spots there. And in Juneau, Alaska, for what I could find, a budget of $15 million. And it only went on to a worldwide gross, you know, I guess in theaters, of $19.6 million. So I wouldn't necessarily say it's a flop, but it also wasn't a big, uh, a big winner either. Uh, which is, you know, kind of weird considering that, like, Smoke, would it be hyperbole to say that some people list this as one of the greatest horror movies ever made? Yeah, I don't, I don't know if we were going <laughs> to... I don't know if we want to give out any of our... Uh... You know, we're not giving ratings yet. Or, or no, I mean, we'll, we'll save the final word, but I, I, I don't think it's a mystery yeah. here. We all love this movie, and we all yeah, I don't think and, it's and, a stretch. And, yeah, and all, and we at least all appreciate where it is historically when it stacks up to other horror movies, right? I think we're all pretty aware of that. So, 
Uh, yeah, I was going to say, I mean, it definitely is one of my favorite horror movies. And it, it's no secret that when we, when we did our top, whatever, 13, I can't remember what it was, that first video series we did where we listed our top. Uh, yeah, I think that was back was in 2019, if I recall, over on our YouTube channel. So any longtime viewer, listeners, whatever, will, will do you, if you saw that, you will know it. It's no secret that it's my favorite remake of it. Like, like it, first of all, if you consider it a remake, which I do, I mean, you know, it's kind of splitting hairs where, like I said, most people don't even know that the, that it's based on a novella. You know, it's not like Dracula where everybody knows that was a novel beforehand. So, yeah, I think most people refer to this as a remake, and I do too. So, But it, it is my top remake of all time. Uh, I've got the top 10 in the box office the weekend that it came out. So this is the weekend of June 25th through the 27th of 1982. And uh, it's kind of cool because we don't always have the top 10 like of around this time period. So it's, mm. this is really cool to look back on. But And Smoke, you're going to find some really, really good ones here. I think you're going to like this list. Number 10, the 1982 re-release of Bambi. Remember, that's when Disney did a lot of that back then where they would re-release, you know, movies. But Don, mm. Anna, that's one of your favorites. Yeah. <laughs> Although it does start out start off pretty uh brutal it's it's a horror movie in the first five minutes with the mom right <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah yeah that's the uh heart-wrenching stuff when you're a kid watching that yeah yeah exactly <laughs> oh my God. number nine in its oh. opening weekend megaforce nice yeah we got to get that one on the show and, cold corner and here. number eight and it's opening weekend the thing it made 3.1 million that opening weekend so it barely beat out megaforce and <laughs> the bambi re-release and it's opening week. Number seven. There was some stiff competition over here, as you'll see. Number seven, Poltergeist. It was it was in its fourth week. So that that was one of the big ones playing at the time. Number six, Annie. Number five, arguably the best Star Trek movie ever made, Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. That was in its fourth week. Oh, yeah. Number four, arguably the best Rocky movie ever made, Rocky Three. It was in its fifth week. <laughs> Mr. T. <laughs> and I only say that because of Clubber Lang. Mr. Yeah. T, yeah. Oh, how about Thunderlips? Yeah, there you go. The, the uh, Hulk Hogan, yeah. Um, number three, Firefox in its second week. Number two, this is arguably the biggest one in its opening weekend that week, Blade Runner. Awesome. Another awesome one. And number one, which was at this point turning into an unstoppable juggernaut to the rest of 1982, E.T., the extraterrestrial. It was in its third week, and it already made uh, almost sixty million in three weeks, which in in nineteen eighty two money, damn, pretty good. And ET went on to be one of the highest grossing movies of all time, I believe. And it probably played for five years after that, and got re released a number of times. But yeah, yeah, it was, it was the number one for the longest time. I don't know, I don't remember which movie beat it out eventually. Yeah. So yeah, that's some pretty stiff competition for the thing, right? I mean, mm-hmm. Poltergeist. I mean, j- just in the horror realm, Poltergeist, right? That was a huge movie yeah. at the time. Uh, but you oh, also got the latest Star Trek movie, Rocky, Blade Runner, E.T. I mean, there were some big heavy hitters there for the summer of 1982, right yeah. when the thing came out. So I'm sure that probably played in, into a little bit of uh, what it was going up against there. You know, hey, that summer, m- most kids are probably going to see Poltergeist or E.T. or something like that and probably avoiding the thing, you know, when compared to those. But... Yeah, those are always interesting when we can. So that that was a pretty good list there this time around. This was, course direct, of course, directed by John Carpenter, and it was written by Bill Lancaster and John W. Campbell Jr. Um, it stars Kurt Russell as McCready, Wilford Brimley as Dr. Blair, 
Keith David as Childs, uh, Richard Masur as Clark, T.K. Carter as Knowles. Um, it really is a who's who of character actors. You know, oh, like yeah. Kurt Russell is the star of this movie. Without qu- you know, without a doubt, no question, yeah. he's the star of the movie. But you got a lot of great character actors where like everybody is like, oh, it's that guy from this one, that guy from that. You know, yep. like, you can place every one of these dudes from other movies. What do you think of? Uh, uh, what's the first thing I want to test you? What's the first thing you think of when you think of Keith David? Oh, for me, yeah. they live. Yeah, <laughs> it's they. Live. I was I yeah. was hoping you somebody would say they. <laughs> <laughs> with the forty-five minute fight scene with Roddy Piper, oh, awesome. They're still fighting right now, even though Piper's dead. <laughs> they're still fighting. Tons. Of, I mean, Richard Masur. Remember, he was in the uh, the uh, uh, it. You know the original miniseries with Tim yeah. Curry. He was in that. Yeah, yeah he was. Wilford Brimley and his his diabetes. I mean, like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. great cast, great cast for like. It was a great cast for yeah. one of these kind of movies, yeah, was, like, you know, that, that is a closed kind of atmosphere, like smokes it kind of claustrophobic. You got a great cast for this, right? Yeah, I guess if you kind of want to, well, you'd mentioned obviously Kurt Russell's a star here, uh, but Nick Nolte turned down. Uh, the role of McCready, uh, as as did Jeff Bridges. So, I mean, those are. <laughs> I mean, Jeff Bridges is probably a, a better actor than Nick Nolte, but I mean, I think probably you, just, if you if you take it back to you know when they made this, I think yeah. either one of them would have done good. You know, would have done a good job with it. But I think Kurt Russell is you know perfect for this role. Yeah, I could I could definitely see Jeff Bridges doing it. Maybe not so much Nick Nolte, but he probably would have been. You know, he would have been all right. Yeah. yeah. How about Gary Busey? (laughs) Uh, You know, a ginger dead man. You know, a future. (laughs) Well, we're just going to end this show now. No, no. I will not have you bring that movie up when we're talking about the thing. No. (laughs) Uh, You know, you take the good with the bad, man. Yeah. Take it all, and there we have the facts of life. Yep. Well, anyways, back to this one. Uh, Yeah. Actually, when you look at it on IMDb, it says it's one of the top-rated movies. I guess, like, you know, they have their top 200 or whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, it's number 152 on their top-rated movies of all time. Comparing it to all movies, I guess, whatsoever, mm-hmm. it's number 152. So, Yeah, we're kind of biased. Our our rating would obviously be higher, but, you know, yeah. that's us. Smoke, you, you might be, uh, you're really going to love this. And by love, I mean you're going to hate this. This this movie was nominated for a Razzie. And you know yes, what, it was. And you know what for? What was that? Worst musical score by Ennio Morricone. <laughs> <laughs> well, that I mean, you know, it fits this movie when you're watching the movie. But I I will agree that you can't really listen to this as a separate thing because it is out there. You listen to the soundtrack, but if you try to listen to the soundtrack separately, it will it will bore you because. It's not meant to. It's not, to me. It's not meant to be listened to separately, like you do a soundtrack yeah. to like Dawn of the Dead, like by Goblin or whatever. You know, or it's not Hall- very Halloween dynamic. Yeah, yeah. But if you're watching this movie, the claustrophobic scenes and all that stuff, it it's really sort of this dark undertone that's just there through the whole movie, and it kind of adds to the suspense and to the, I guess, to, you know, ratchets up the suspense a little bit or whatever in those scenes. But it definitely doesn't play well on its own. And you know, to <laughs> I'll, that, yeah. I'll add to that too. Like you know, this really doesn't sound like something. Ennio Morricone would have made, you know, like, no. to me, like it sounds more mm. like John Carpenter did it than it does. Him. Yeah, it does. Yeah. 
Because, I mean, you know, you think in Ennio Morricone, you think, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly, or the yeah, yeah, bombastic thinking, uh, Western soundtracks yeah. and things. And he did a lot of horror movies, too, in Italy. But. And this is synth-heavy, just kind of like, you know, yeah. I, I don't know, it just doesn't feel like him. But, yeah, I just, uh, I, me personally, I just hate that, why? Why would why would you <laughs> nominate this for a Razzie, knowing, knowing who's involved here? Now, I know, like, maybe in 1982 or three, whatever, when they did this, Maybe these names weren't as hallowed as they are now. I don't know, but you know, it's it's almost like you know what, man. Like the dude's done enough. Leave him alone. Don't do that. Oh, I tell you what, you know, it's actually kind of kind of funny you say that because uh, um, he was also nominated for a Razzie that same year for a different movie. Uh, he scored a movie called Butterfly, which I you know, I don't know what that is, but uh, um, but also uh, the Razzies. Um, I'm sorry. The there were two other um, legends, I'd say, uh, which no argument there. But John Williams was also nominated uh, for. Oh, I think it was. Uh, you talking about a Razzie or? Yeah, Razzie okay. for that same year. Well, yeah, um, look, look, I mean, they've been doing the Razzies for like 40 years or so now. Monsignor, I think. The, 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 and then the odds of all the greats being nominated at some point are pretty high. <laughs> yeah, right? that's so true. There is that I mean, aspect of it, but still, fuck you. you know? <laughs> and also uh, Jimmy Page for Death Wish 2. Wow. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> well, look, like I said, Ennio Morricone, his, his, his track record even then should have spoke for itself. The dude, you know, he passed away in uh, 2020, but the dude has 529 composing credits on IMDb, 407 <laughs> soundtracks. Like, you know, yeah, they can't all be winners. All right. But this one isn't the worst and probably wasn't even the worst of the year. So it's like they just had to come up with some reason to throw it on there or something like, fuck, we got to we got to nominate the thing for something. Uh, soundtrack. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And it actually was nominated for two Saturn Awards as well. It didn't win, but it, it was nominated for Best Horror Film and Best Special Effects. How the fuck? Like, I didn't look to see what beat it. Oh, like, I did. Okay, what what beat it? Did, so, uh, it lost Best Horror Film to Poltergeist. I was about to say, probably fucking Poltergeist, wouldn't it? And, and it I'm not lost. Shitting, I'm not shitting on Poltergeist. It's fine, but it, yeah. ain't, it ain't the thing. It's not, yeah, it's not. It's not. definitely not the thing. Um, and then it lo- also lost best uh, special effects to ET. Okay. All right. I, Although while okay. wait, while we're on that ish, that kind of theme there of like Poltergeist and everything, Toby Hooper was actually set to direct this at one time, direct the thing, but uh, the studio or whatever the producers didn't really care for his vision. Him and scriptwriter Kim uh, Kim Hinkle, uh, so they didn't give it to him. <laughs> now, isn't there the thing to the thing? Get boom. Isn't there a thing where like Toby Hooper did Poltergeist, but like some people say he didn't really do Poltergeist? Yeah, some people say that uh, Steven Spielberg was pretty much the hand behind the camera for mm-hmm. the most part. I mean, he was the producer behind the camera. Well, I don't. Yeah, but I don't know what the. I don't. And you get different stories. You get people who claim to you know been there at the set and all that. No, Spielberg didn't have that much of a hand in, and then other people, yeah, he did. You know, so who's who knows who to believe in that? Look, I, I'm glad we got both those movies. You know, like yeah. Toby Hooper doing that and John Carpenter doing this, it 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 fell in our favor. But still, <laughs> to, yeah. For for it, okay, I can see it losing to ET. ET was like a you know a step above everything of the time. Okay, I understand. I can get I can get behind that. Uh, but best horror film, I don't know. 
Yeah, no, no, I definitely wouldn't agree with that. But then I'm a little bit biased, and I do like Poltergeist, Poltergeist quite a bit. I'm just not that huge of a ghost fan. <laughs> when mm. it comes to ghost horror movies and other horror movies, like a slasher movie or a creature feature or something, I'm going to always go for the other. Yeah, but that's a personal thing for me. So I still like Poltergeist, but I would never choose it as a favorite horror movie over yeah, anything I, else. <laughs> our next series that I was going to float out in the fall was going to be, you know, get, just ghost movies. That's all we were going to do. <laughs> Damn it. I knew I <laughs> Damn it. I knew I was going to quit for three months and then come back. Oh, great. Pet. Yeah, Patrick Swayze will be proud. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's going to yeah. be one of the movies. Huh? Yeah, we go with a ghost theme and then we watch that piece of shit. <laughs> Let's watch. Uh, you and Donnie are going to have to reenact Patrick's, the scene of the pottery. Oh, no. yeah. Let's watch Patrick Swayze's <laughs> ghost make pottery. That sounds like us. Damn it. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Anyways, the thing. Let's, oh no, no yeah. that's wildly inappropriate. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, th- this is just. I mean, we, we'll get into it here in a second. But man, fucking awesome movie, right? I can't say it. Oh movie. yeah, I love totally. Um, was there any other background stuff you guys wanted to bring up before we uh, dive in? Because uh, not really background, it. but uh, you know, it is. I mean, it's kind of humorous to me how you have uh, uh, two characters named Mac and Windows. <laughs> <laughs> you don't now was Mac and Windows like computer wise was that a thing at this point? Surely it had to this be right, was, or at least in its in its. I mean, infancy. it was probably like. I mean, I, I don't think it was. You know, I don't know certainly I don't think it was intentional. I don't know Windows was around yet, was it in eighty two? No, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, without looking up the dates, but I was just thinking, like, in the sense of like, maybe uh, you know, Steve Jobs and uh, Bill Gates and all that were they <laughs> influenced by the? You know, what, no, what are the odds? What are the odds? Right, like they be influenced watched, by the thing. Yeah, the thing. Like these random characters from the things. What are the odds? You never yeah. know, though. Sometimes, man, you hear about like. Oh yeah, that was you know for some reason that was my favorite movie that year, and I never made that made that made that connection until you know this viewing. Yeah, you know, and, and plus too, his name was McCready, so yeah, they of course, yeah. Well, can you imagine? But they, they call a few people they, did right, like yeah, they call him Mac in the yeah, you know, yeah. couple. Ima- imagine if like that's that was the inspiration, and the the original first name <laughs> for the Apple computer was the McCready. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Steve Jobs had dropped some acid before it, and he yeah. went and saw the thing. He's like, Matt, Matt, yeah. McCready, yeah. <laughs> and here's a billion dollars. It's intermission time. Time to pause and refresh at the snack bar. During this short break, you can treat your taste of good food and sparkling cold beverages, including delicious Coca-Cola. If you're hot dog hungry, we have them. Sizzling, juicy hot dogs served in warm, oven-fresh buns, plus a complete menu of all your favorites. Visit the refreshment center now. Enjoy delicious food and ice-cold Coca-Cola. For you listeners of the All-American Spook Show podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. So I went over and typed in audible.com, just typed in the thing to see what will pop up. And sure enough, right there at the top, this is really all you need to see. Who goes there? The novella that formed the basis of The Thing by John W. Campbell. Uh, That one is a little over two and a half hours long. So 
if you want to hear at least some of the basis for this movie, right between this and uh, that, uh, the thing from another world, that fifties uh, film, you need yep. to go over to audibletrial.com slash spook show. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash spook show for your free audio book. So I'm going to hop back on over to uh, IMDb and click on plot summaries to see what uh, pops up. I'm sure we got a few here for this one being as big a movie as it is. Yep. Sure enough. I'm going to go read you the short one and then the long one. Cause Donnie, I know you love that. Mm. Uh, a research team in Antarctica is hunted by a shape-shifting alien that assumes the appearance of his victims. And then the long one is submitted by Tom, Tamias J. Barnard <laughs> over on IMDb. In the midst of the Antarct- Antarctican snowfield, the scientists and workers of a small American research base are shocked when a helicopter begins to circle their camp, chasing and shooting at a dog. When the helicopter is destroyed and the passengers are killed, The dog is let into the base, and the Americans begin to wonder what has actually happened. The helicopter has Norwegian markings, must be from the Norwegian base not too far from their own. A team of Americans are sent to the Norwegian base and find out what has happened. On arrival, they find that the place has been totally destroyed. They also discover a mangled body that looks as though it was once that of a person, which they bring back with them for further study. It is only then that the clues begin to add up. The dog morphs horribly into a strange creature that attacks the researchers. They manage to fight it off, but they come to a terrible conclusion. An alien with the power to transform and take the appearance of anybody else is amongst them. Who is infected already and who can be trusted? Helicopter pilot R.J. McCready sets out to find the answers to exactly that. So, I mean, I think that pretty much sums it up pretty well, you know, as far as like what this movie is about, what's going on here. So... Really, I think you have to start though. You know, when you're when you're talking about the thing in this movie, you have to start right at the beginning, because uh, you see an, a UFO entering like Earth's atmosphere, but you don't see it crash or anything. You just see it kind of arrive on the planet, mm-hmm. right? But then that's when you kind of get the the credit, the logo part of the burning movie logo. Just that part right there, that's iconic, is it not? Just <laughs> the the word, the thing kind of being like burnt into the screen. Yeah. Awesome. And it took, apparently it took them a long time to do that. I mean, that was a. I mean, you almost call it, it was. It looked like it's an optical effect, sort of. I mean, but it was more like a practical effect made optically, yeah. <laughs> so to speak. So it took them a while to get that burned look for the logo. Not today, where it take what five minutes to do it CG or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It wouldn't take hardly anything now to do it with uh, some Adobe product or something more advanced. And bam, you got it. Here you go. But yeah. It's really effective, you know, uh, I know it's such a small thing, but it really kind of like, I'm not going to necessarily say sets the mood, but like kind of gets you into a like, man, bad things are going to happen pretty quick here. Cause you know, you've already seen the UFO. Here's this cool, you know, kind of dark credits, but you see it kind of burn away with the, the logo, the thing. And then bam, you're right into it. <laughs> this chopper going through the, you know, the Antarctic shooting at a dog. <laughs> it's rough, man. And this guy, this Norwegian, this guy shooting, he must be the worst <laughs> shot ever, right? Like he's he's stormtrooper level shooter. <laughs> I mean, because there's some of that man. They got that fucking dog dead to rights. Still, and I'm thinking too, like it almost like a wolf, right? Like at first, kind of like that's what. Yeah, I, was I thought. Yeah, I thought it was a wolf. Mm-hmm. You know, but no, it, mm, I mean, no. they're cl- they're close cousins, I guess. Some kind of a Siberian last husky, snow dog or something. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. And then it takes them all of what about five minutes before the, the chopper lands. He's shooting at the shooting at the dog, misses it. 
accidentally hits one of the guys there at the uh, research base, and then it just fucking blows up. <laughs> <laughs> one question, I, I didn't write this down when I was kind of making my notes, but one I had throughout, like, do they ever at any point, and I guess it doesn't really matter, but do they ever really explain why the fuck these guys are up there to begin with? Like, that they're just doing research. What kind of research? You know what? There was, uh, I th- and I, I want to say I read somewhere where um, in 2003 there were uh, there were talks about doing like a a four part miniseries type of prequel that was going to answer that, hmm. um, and it was going to be like a um, like a, a remake and also a prequel that was going to basically start with why the Norwegians were there in the first place. Uh, doing all this stuff and then it was like the end would be the beginning of the thing now has either have either of you seen the the remake or whatever from 2011 the thing because no, i i haven't, I haven't. Smoke, yeah that, that sounds like something yeah, you might have seen smoke have you have you seen it yeah it's a prequel i guess because it's supposed to take place in the norwegian camp kind of what okay. went on there before i got you so although that, it's very much the same <laughs> You know, it's a it's it's a prequel, but the events that unfold there are the same sort of events that unfold here. So it's a, you know, it gets a lot of criticism for, for that, for it basically being, not a shot for shot remake. People call it a remake, but technically it's a prequel. Uh, and I mean, I'd have to revisit it again. It wasn't. Some people hate it. I mean, I didn't think it was terrible or anything, but I need to revisit it before I give my <laughs> assessment on it. I guess you could say on, but. One thing they didn't use practical effects as much as they should have, and they they kind of went the CG route for things. Yeah, some of the well, twenty eleven. So, mm. yeah, boy, they didn't they didn't cheap out on the effects in this one, did they? Nineteen eighty two. Oh no, definitely. I, now, I, I mean, what I saw it was only a budget of fifteen, which now it's like fifteen million. Holy hell, this is awesome. Back then, though, that was that was quite a bit. I would say, you know, I think they spend their money well. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely shows. I think you know the locations and. The look of the film, the feel of the film, of course, like you said, the special effects feels like it's a you know a huge movie, an epic film. It is it, Antarctica. You, you know you don't really think claustrophobic when you think Antarctica, but it is because I mean, it's a whole continent with nobody on it except this crew and then you know the Norwegian crew or whatever their camp was. But uh, but the nostalgia. I mean nostalgia. <laughs> yeah, the nostalgia of it all. Now the uh, claustrophobia of it kicks in because they're you know they're they're just cramped into this research center or whatever and all this stuff starts unfolding yeah and, and i remember as a kid this is the movie that scared me as a kid i was watching it through like my fingers like i eh, cover my eyes and like you know looking through your fingers type thing so uh i can see why. one of the ones <laughs> some of these <laughs> some of these fucking like melted together monstrosities in this movie that would scare the fuck oh, out yeah. of you oh yeah <laughs> um oh uh 15 million in today's money would be uh, a little over 47 million yeah so Which still is- which is still mm-hmm. a really good budget, even for yeah. today, but still not as much as you know some movies get these days. I mean, good lord, hundreds of millions now. But yeah, and and the fact that it's John Carpenter, music by Ennio Morcone, the cinematography by Dean Cundey, you know, like and, and Rob <laughs> and Rob Botton doing uh, the the special effects. I mean, fuck, and and, yeah. and and really you can't you can't say a lot. I mean, like you know. I think the one thing everybody would instantly uh, lean in when you think about the thing would be Kurt Russell's character in this. I mean, he he turns out a great performance in it, but it's it, the first thing probably is just the creature effects, right? Past that, though, it's got to be that cinematography, man. I mean, you can't say enough about how well this is shot. Yeah, that combination of the cinematography and the special effects, and then the direction, the actors, and everything—everything everything just came together. 
for this movie, I think. I mean, I don't know how big remakes were at the time. Not that big, I don't think. You know, 80s, of course, there's not nearly as many remakes as there was that would come down later on in, in the late 90s, early 2000s, and all that stuff. But but uh, this one, this is a blueprint of how to do a remake right. <laughs> now, to be fair to the all involved here, it's not like they were remaking uh, Ben-Hur, right? Like, they're remaking, nah. the, at best, they're remaking a very small movie that had come out, what, 30-something years prior, you know, that probably not many people knew much about. So, mm. yeah, it might be a remake, but it's a of a lesser-known flick, right? Yeah, that, that to say that, uh, whenever John Carpenter took the, well, he was kind of hesitant of taking the, the directing gig here for it because he didn't think he could do better. I mean, that was one of his favorite classic horror films, and he didn't think he could do it better, even though he didn't really, he didn't think the creature design in the original thing was that, you know, that great or whatever, but mm-hmm. just the movie itself, the structure of it and how it unfolds, I guess he didn't think he could better it any, but in my mind, he, he definitely did, I think. You know. And, you, you know, we're comparing movies that are 30-something years 31 years apart. I think it was 1951 yeah, when that came out. Years. I only say that though, to say like, it's not like the thing from another world is like a, at, even in 1982 would be considered like a top 10 horror sci-fi flick, right? Like this is like a lesser known movie that probably played on local TV matinees and, and at the drive-ins yeah. or something. It's not like it's a well, it's not like fucking uh, Boris Karloff's Frankenstein or, uh, you know, Dracula or something like that. This is more of a, mm. Low budget, fifty sci-fi flick that some, probably some people loved, and then others just forgot about. So it's not like it's they're taking a beloved classic and remaking it, like Wizard of Oz or something like that. They just took a smaller budget, lesser yeah. film, right? So that that probably helped them in a lot of ways. And he was able to kind of put his own, uh, not not just John Carpenter, but everybody were able to put their own fingerprints on it and make it what it was, but. Yeah, I mean, well, what, what's weird about it is that even this movie, when it came out in 1982, was shit upon yeah. <laughs> by a lot. There's a lot of negative reviews for it. It didn't get the kind of cult following and the way we look at it today. We look at this movie today as horror fans or whatever as, like, one of the best. Like you said, one not just one of the best remakes, but one of the best horror movies ever made. But back then, back then a lot of the critics of the time definitely did not see it that way and thought it was just, you know, was crap, actually. A lot of them, and it, it took a while before it gained that cult following and before it became viewed the way it is today, which yeah. is weird to me thinking about it yeah, that way yeah. back then. I don't it, know why I didn't is, see it. It is hard to look back on, like, through that lens. Sometimes you have to remember that, you know. They were they were too busy, like, jacking each other off about poltergeist, I guess, to yeah, yeah. care about it. <laughs> and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> fuck this movie. Yeah, the thing. <laughs> ha, get out of here. Ah, E.T. That's the ticket. <laughs> And I'm not shitting on E.T. I think I I like it with everybody yeah. else loves E.T. But you know, it's a different kind of yeah. movie. Different kind of movie. Yeah. Oh, that though. Not to be on a tangent about that, but that was supposed to be a horror movie too. E.T. It was like Spielberg revamped it because he thought it would play better as a kids movie. Well, but initially, it was supposed to be a horror movie. I think he <laughs> I think he made the right decision, but it would have been interesting to see a horror version of E.T. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, just oh. like it would have been interesting uh, to you know see. Uh, Winnie the Pooh, uh, Blood and Honey. Shit. Like, I come on. <laughs> I haven't seen that yet, but I doubt that's... Ah, uh, man. I you know, it. I just... Yeah. yeah. Maybe I should stop bringing up the worst fucking movies. Yeah. That's um, Especially today. <laughs> come on, man. We're watch, we're talking about the thing. Quit bringing up... Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> There's time enough for that on Crapster Peace. Just leave it there. Uh, Patreon.com slash Show. 
the 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 creature effects here though, specifically at this part of the movie that you know toward the beginning here, when they go to that Norwegian camp and there's that monstrosity of like people melted together or whatever the however you would describe yeah. that, dude, that is yeah. that is jacked up. Not only that, but why would you want to even touch that thing or bring it back? You know. <laughs> <laughs> And they bring it back and just like throw the blanket off of it, and it's still you know steaming from the. Yeah. I don't know if it was steaming. I don't think it was. It was it recently burned. I don't know if it was. That was why it's steaming, or is it just fog from the cold and it being somewhat warm and you know bringing brought back. I don't know. I don't know. But whatever they open this blanket off, the steam's coming off of it, and the smell's got to be ungodly. (laughs) Yeah. There. There's no fucking way I go to that that Norwegian camp and come back with anything. I'm coming back (laughs) like holy fuck! You ain't gonna believe what we saw. That's all you're gonna see. <laughs> I ain't, I ain't touching nothing. I ain't bringing it back. And that's not but that whole that. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was just gonna say and that's not because I'm paranoid of alien parasites. That's just because no, fuck that. That thing. Did you see it? No, I ain't touching that. <laughs> it's it's definitely not human. You know, like you could t- take two bodies, throw one on a pile. It's not gonna meld into no, one like that. No, no, <laughs> it's no. not. So yeah, I wouldn't be touching that thing with my. Gloved hands or anything, you know, yeah. well, ten they, foot pole. No, well, they did say certainly not. Like, why are we keeping that? They kept it in the back room or something. So because we we're gonna <laughs> win the Nobel Pulitzer or whatever the fuck, you know, we're gonna win the Nobel Prize. Maybe, but nah. Uh uh-uh. uh. Maybe that goes into what the, re- the what the actual research is. You know, like that still bugs the <laughs> shit out of me. That because you know you know why it bugs me so much because this crew of guys don't seem like dudes that would be hanging out in Antarctica on a research trip you know what i mean like i don't know it's just a weird mix of guys you're talking about the the uh the the american team yeah yeah like it's just a weird mix of like it's a clash of uh personalities in this place that don't really jive to me (laughs) you know for whatever kind of research they're doing like we need the we need the moody helicopter pilot who hangs out in his own shack over here and then we need a couple of smart mouth guys and we need the redneck biker dude. And we like, what? Like, it's just a weird cast of characters here that are in this research group. I'm thinking an, an Antarctic research group would be nerdy guys. Right. And maybe, and maybe a couple of dudes that know how to survive if they need to in, in the Antarctic, but otherwise it's just going to be some nerds. right? <laughs> All they had yeah. was like basically two nerds. And then <laughs> the ratios were off. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah. The nerd to cool guy ratio was off here. <laughs> Maybe I'm overthinking it. You think so? I don't know. Yeah. They were probably going for like uh what would play more dramatically. <laughs> I guess they figured if you had a bunch of like science nerds are like, nobody's gonna give a shit about these yeah, guys. Yeah. Let them all die, who cares? <laughs> not to put down all the science nerds out there, you know, yeah, but nobody's yeah. gonna give a shit about their their charisma screen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I get you have to have at least like Kurt Russell's the cool guy, right? I get that. You gotta have at least one of those guys, but I don't know. The old doctor, like, you know, Wilford Brimley and the old. And I, I swear there was a scene where Wilford Brimley almost said what he said in the diabetes, not, you know, not diabetes, <laughs> but uh, the other part where he's like, check it and check it off. Then when he was talking about check car, check Carter, or, no, check, what's his name? And make sure you check him good. Yeah. <laughs> I, I hear the commercial here. Yeah, for, check your blood sugars <laughs> often. <laughs> Blair? What? What? <laughs> uh, I, I do like the, uh, the story device here of like that you can't trust anybody and that they, they do have a hard time coming up with a way to figure out who the fuck is who's bad here. Right. It takes them some time to figure that out. 
Yeah, I thought it was a cool way they did it, too. Well, first of all, they talk about, okay, well, we got blood samples from everybody. We're just going to go into the laboratory, get those blood samples, yeah. and uh, put it, you know, everybody will put their blood into it, and if the bad blood will react with the with the good blood or whatever. Yeah. And then they, they come there and find out that somebody has already gone in and contaminated or emptied out all the blood packets. And uh, so they go through that whole thing. But then the, the way they actually figure out how to do it is pretty cool. I thought, you know, a blood sample from everybody, a little yeah. Petri culture did. And then him heating up a piece of wire and sticking it in there to see if it reacts. And then when it, you know, of course, inevitably one of them is going to. But that was great sleight of hand where he's going through it. You know, you you expect one of them to like one of the things to react in some way. Right. And he's going through and going through. And then the one that does react, you don't expect because he's talking about something else. It's that old magic trick sleight of hand thing that horror movies play. Yeah. And when mm -hmm. they do it right, it works. And it, uh, and it worked right in this movie because it makes you. You know, if you've seen it enough times, it's not going to make you jump because you know exactly where it's going to happen. But those first few times are definitely the first time you ever saw this movie. Yeah. And like I said, I was scared the shit out of me. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah. part. It ends up being uh, Palmer, right? That was the, the one. Yeah. <laughs> and then he instantly like just starts eating windows. Like, not not actual windows, but the guy named Windows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He just like picks them up and, <laughs> and the guy like, like up in the air, like feet up. Like, <laughs> I'm yeah, like, what? And he's in like a Venus flytrap head or whatever, and he's, yeah, <laughs> he's eating yeah. the guy. All of that, all those creature effects are definitely H.P. Lovecraft inspired. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know that how well they were described in the in the novella. I have read it, but it's been many years ago that I read it. But uh, yeah, those, those sort of tentacled things and, and heads splitting open and chest and all that stuff and then morphing and everything is very, very Lovecraft. Do you think... Uh... I, this just came to mind. Do you think there was some inspiration from uh, uh, the crew on Hellraiser from this? Because if you look, if you think about it, some of the shit you saw on Hellraiser, like with the people all mangled up and stuff, kind of look a little mm -hmm. bit like this. You mean the the ones that are you, mean, you know, like the Cenobites, or no? You mean the victims? Yeah, the more more or less the victims, or even like not necessarily the first Hellraiser, but the first say two or three Hellraisers. Just think about them all as a whole, and think about the yeah. look. Of some of them, remember, like I think it's Hellraiser three or four, where the the two heads are kind of twisted together. Oh, it looks yeah, kind of like yeah. that. Like I, yeah, I can see yeah. some similarities here. Is all I'm saying. Like, do you think they drew yeah. any inspiration from this? Like the work of Rob Botten and John Carpenter here. That yeah, yeah. That that scene, even though it's not even that long, that big of the movie, because it's a burned hulk or husk or whatever, where you see the two bodies yeah. morph together unnaturally or whatever. That, uh, but yeah, I think that definitely did play a role in uh, influencing special effects in some other movies. Any, pretty much any movie that has two bodies, heads or whatever, twisted together in some misshapen form or whatever, probably did come either subconsciously or directly from yeah. that scene. How about when they put the dog, you know, the one that the, the Norwegians were shooting at, they put it in the pen with the other dogs and that motherfucker yeah. turns heel real quick, doesn't he? He's just like, yeah, we're all good. <laughs> And he just his head split apart like, a, like some kind of blood flower, you know? <laughs> yeah, but it was awesome. and starts like sucking, you know, blood out of one of the other dogs and trying to merge together and shit. And, and then, <laughs> right in some kind of alien seed juice or something. I don't know what that was. Yeah. <laughs> you know what that was. <laughs> Come on. That dog was like, hey, I didn't, you didn't even, you know, buy me a drink or anything. <laughs> They put they did they deduce pretty quickly though like kill it with fire you know like that's the first yeah one. what the fuck is that get the flamethrower <laughs> why do they have a flamethrower 
Come on, yeah. it's an Antarctic research team. Okay, <laughs> why, why would they realistically need that? Like to melt some ice? I don't know. Well, <laughs> you tell me. <laughs> I mean, I'm glad they had it. You know, it's just convenient. It's a weird item for them to have. And I think they had more than one, right? Like they were whipping. Yeah, they had yeah. a couple. Yeah, they yeah. Got three. fucking flamethrowers <laughs> out like it's nothing. It must be because of like ice research. Fuck, I don't know. At least it's easily explained off that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good. It certainly can't hurt to have it, I guess. You know. <laughs> yeah. Then Wilford Brimley's character, Doctor Blair, he just goes ape shit and start just starts destroying everything. Like, and then he, he although he, I think it was kind of justified, right? I think I mean a little bit because well he he started computations like okay this could affect uh what was it 27 hours it could affect the entire yeah. planet according to his yeah if it got his, out uh, yeah. yeah if it got out so i guess that's what set him off to like uh now, all right we here's this the can't get out to destroy all the equipment yes but here's the question and you know we're kind of jumping ahead a little bit with blair's story arc there when did he uh get infected when did he become bad was it right there where he's taking out the chopper and the radio and the tractor and all that stuff was he already belly up you know, infected at that point and or was he legitimately trying to stop this from spreading and then he got infected? I think he was, I think he just was, I think he was legitimately not infected at first. Whenever he was destroying the radio equipment, I didn't, I personally don't think he was infected at that point. I think, I think it's sometime when he was out there or somehow somewhere, well, it, it somewhere after they put him outside or whatever. Yeah. It happened somewhere in there. And I only say that because he goes down there and starts building a, his own little fucking spaceship. Right. So, <laughs> whatever he was doing, like he'd done dug a, gr- a hole underneath the shack and he's deep under the ground, like putting together a ship down there out, out of the parts of the chopper and all the shit that he destroyed earlier. So I'm thinking he might've yeah. been infected right then. Well, one thing what, what they kind of, they don't really get to or say why, why it was this way, but I'm thinking this maybe is when it happened with his door was open from the outside. Remember when they come, when they come up to it, you know, the doors open and like they said, no, well, somebody had to have a key to open it from the outside, uh-huh. but that's when they discovered floorboards and they go under and find out that he had tunneled through, I guess, in, as an alien form. I don't know, whatever, uh-huh. but they never go back to that. So I'm thinking that, that somebody that was infected, who was out, who was outside that was infected. Wasn't it uh, the guy that got killed that had the glasses on that was burned up too. Uh- I can't remember his name. Oh man, uh, I'd have to look at everybody again. Was it a uh, uh, copper, the other doctor? I'd been him. I know he was outside, and he was he he had run off by himself outside, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, he had the flare. I remember the last scene you see him, and then they go kind of looking for him, and he's like on the ground, like he's been burned up or whatever. And they find his glasses. They go, "Is this his name? I can't remember. Is this copper or whatever, whatever his copper. name was?" And they and he picks up the glasses and like, "Yeah, this is his." Yeah, yeah. a lot of so, red, a lot I'm of red hair. A lot of red herrings throughout this movie too. Like, yeah. you know, uh, uh, well, you can tell when their tore their, their clothes are all tore up, you know, and then there seems to be some deception there, right? And then there were other ways. Like, oh, you can tell by this, and then it, you know, that's horse shit, or someone uses it to their advantage to hide the identity and all that. So it really is a good portion of this movie is kind of that mystery aspect. Like, it is kind of a whodunit, you know, because you don't know who to trust and who's doing this. Is everybody yeah. doing this? Is is there one person doing this? I don't know. Do you think you ever see the alien's true form at any point during this movie? No, I don't think so. I think you see, I think you see it in its various transformation. You know, as because it apparently bond, you know, bonds with the bodies or whatever, and tries to form a perfect simulation of that body. I guess. Yeah. I think you're always seeing it in one form or other, coming out of or going into 
and I don't think you ever see its uh, full body or whatever. And I don't even know what it would be. Just some tentacled alien creature. You know, I, don't, I don't. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think you see it in its full form. I was. It was just a thought that you know, crossed my mind. Like I wonder at any point you actually see what this fucking thing looks like because it's just constantly trying to imitate whatever it can, right, to survive. So. I wonder what it does. Does it like Martian Manhunter from DC Comics or some shit? Like, what what does it look like? You know, I guess it doesn't matter. But these are the kind of things I think about at night when I'm alone. <laughs> I know it bears a little bit of not resemblance to talking about alien creatures or whatever, but story arc to Alien a little bit. Yeah. You know, just that claustrophobic feel. Oh, the first one, the claustrophobic feel that you get while you're watching Alien because it's set on that spaceship and they aren't going anywhere because they're in space. Same kind of thing in here because they're in this. They can only be in this one place because if they're outside, they're going to freeze to death. Yeah. So uh, you have to get those same vibes, and also that you know the alien. At one point, it's you know it's in somebody, but then it busts out. Then it's the alien on its own. They're trying to find him, but they don't have to worry about the other people at that point. But uh, still, it's still kind of a similar storyline. And also, I love the beginning when they go to the find you know, the region cruise camp or whatever. I like that whole mystery aspect of them discovering well. Here's this block of ice. We know what it is. They don't know yet that it was, you know, this alien was in that block of ice. You know, and then the the, the spaceship where they had dug into the ground or whatever and found it. All those clues coming together, kind of like in a uh, alien when they go down to the planet, discover the eggs, and then shit happens, and then <laughs> yeah, they bring the alien. So that type of unfolding is kind of similar to me, and a great storytelling. I think. I just remember that part where. Uh... They're they're using the, the Doctor Copper is using the defibrillators on Vance or he's about to, <laughs> and he, he goes down and like yeah. then his belly opens up, oh! <laughs> sticks his arm and bites and then his arm. His hands and he rips his hands off. Yeah, <laughs> trying to get him out of the cavity or whatever. That's another one that you talk about those jump scare type things. At least that first time you watch that, you're, that's yeah. like oh yeah. shit, you know, because <laughs> it comes yeah. out of nowhere like. You're not even thinking like, oh, fuck, you know, you think maybe this guy's an alien. You don't know who to trust, but you're not thinking that's going to happen. No, no, no. And he's clear. clear <laughs> everything clear. after that happens. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, whole, the whole, like, oh. you know, thing busting out of his stomach thing and hitting the ceiling and then the head is on it. And then, then his head falling off and hitting the floor and growing, sprouting yeah. spider looking alien leg things and walking off. You don't expect any of that. You're like, yeah, what poor, the fuck? Poor, on? Poor, old As, Vance, you know, the, poor old Vance probably gets the shit end of the stick here throughout the movie, like, you know, in this part of the movie, because like, man, his fucking stomach becomes an alien. Then, then all of a sudden, like you said, his head gets ripped off and then his head becomes something like a spider alien. And I mean, he, that thing just rips him limb from limb, man. (laughs) But of course it ends like most of them do. McCready burns him with a, uh, the fucking flame. Yeah. Yeah, The thing's trying to scuttle. You see it in the background scuttling behind him or whatever. And then they like turn around and what the, Oh, and then he fucking dynamites it. Like, like that's what I'm saying. Like Vance, yeah. more, more than any of them, he gets he gets it, man. Like he gets burned, fucking torn limb to limb, and then he gets dynamited. <laughs> and then poor old oh, yeah. windows earlier we're over talking in the about. corner, and then like you know after getting scooped up or whatever, and then they just oh fuck him too, burn. You know, <laughs> I'm sure that's what he said. Yeah, burn. burn. Might as well. He was very indiscriminate with the old flamethrower there, for sure. Tell you, man. <laughs> How about the... What, who was it toward the beginning? Of the, he just straight up cold-blooded murders. That guy, was it? Uh, the guy with the dogs. It was uh, Clark. Yeah, yeah. He just shoots that motherfucker yeah, in the head, and then they do the blood test. Oh, <laughs> Turns out... 
Oh, he was, you know, okay. <laughs> Whoops. Right. No, that sucks. All right. Who's next? <laughs> he just, he just really loved dogs. It turns out like he wasn't yeah. an alien. He just really actually loved those dogs. Yeah. I can relate. Blair. Oh yeah. That's, <laughs> oh yeah. You're probably having a rough time with all the dogs, huh? Ah, uh, man. They just had to kill the dogs, man. <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah, it was an alien uh, symbiote. Yeah, kind of yeah, fucking yeah. So you know, on. just a, uh, it was just what do you call it? It was a perfect replica. Yeah, yeah. It just happened to be the thing that uh, would take mm-hmm. it to the next safe safe spot. That's all. Yeah. Blair gets loose, and you know, like we said, he's building a ship underground. Um, basically, now you're toward the end. Like the the end game is the remaining crew basically just rip the shit out of their own camp because they're like, well. Basically, they come to the conclusion like we're not going to live here, right? So like, we're, we're going to take this motherfucker with us. So they just start burning the camp down, blowing it up. Uh, then one by one, it starts kind of taking them out, right? Blair absorbs Gary, <laughs> and then uh, you know one after another. I think the only one that I had in there, uh, you know, other than the last two, because you know the very end, it comes down to McCready and Childs. They are the last yeah. survivors, mm-hmm. and that's basically how the movie ends. Is well, we're going to wait it out and see, you know, see if either one of us are infected. You know, like, I guess, like I said, at th- that point, they're resigned to the fact that, like, look, we're not going to be able to get out of here because this thing might come with us and we can't let that happen. Yeah. So, you know, fuck it. You know, also, the only one, uh, I, lost and the only one I, I lost track of and all that before you continue was Knowles. Because, like, he was helping, hmm. he was helping McCready. Hmm. They were down in that, you know, like, uh, the cavern, whatever the fuck, and they're about to blow it up. Then yeah. he just got gone. And then you never see him again. So I'm assuming, you know, something got him, but like you never see it happen. I don't remember. So somewhere in there, I just lost track of him, but everyone else was pretty much accounted for in the body count. I think just about except, you know, Blair, you don't really see him again. And then, you know, just so happens a couple of years later, cocoon comes out oh. and, <laughs> and then the diabetes I'm not being serious. I'm not. <laughs> you just put together a cocoon and the thing that's, and diabetes. And diabetes. I think it all comes together. I think it's a good. I think it's a good appropriate ending for this, honestly, because yeah, this is it, the whole thing. Really, is bleak as fuck. Yeah, it's dire, dark, dark dire, and you know it's not going to end well. So we don't need to see the bitter end, but you can imagine how yeah. this plays out, right? That's essentially yeah. where John Carpenter leaves you. Is like, well, yeah, they're probably both eating a bullet. You know, you don't need to see it. So, yeah, just you can imagine what happens from here to the end. <laughs> so, there you go. That's the thing from 1982. Will nominated it. He can't be here. So, it'd be interesting to see because I'm not sure if he's ever seen this before. I think it was one of the reasons he picked it. So, at some point, we'll get his thoughts, see what he thinks about it. It's about like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, right? Like, we're watching some big ones here, and he's not here for it. So, I, I like to get his thoughts on this uh, when he gets back. Smoke. We'll yeah, that'll, that'll be interesting to hear if he's never seen it before i'd like to hear his take on it i'm sure has. i'm sure he enjoyed it yeah i don't i don't think he has so it'll be interesting to see his take but smoke you're the you're the old vet here with the with the thing and horror in general so i'll, I'll let you go first what do you think about it oh yeah yeah my history with this movie like i said goes back to it being one of the probably the movie that scared me the most as a child you know watching it like i said through my fingers through my fingers most of the time you know uh and i don't know how many times i've seen this movie since then how many formats I've owned it on, you know, <laughs> from VHS to DVD to, uh, Do you have, yeah, I think I got 4k. We got the 4k of it recently. 
Do you, do you have this one on CED? Did that ever come out? I don't have it on CED, and I never, I don't think I ever owned it on Betamax, but <laughs> every other format that came out after that, yeah, including Laserdisc at one point, not CED, but Laserdisc. Yeah, this movie, I'm, I'm just not gonna slice any, you know, cut any hairs on it or whatever. Anything, it's, it's, it's five stars right down <laughs> for me. There's no, no way I can go any lower than that. It's my favorite remake of all time, horror remake. Well, remake in general. And one of my favorite, I don't know, I, don't, I haven't ever thought of like where I'd exactly place this in my favorite horror movies of all time, but it's surely in the top, surely in the top 10. Probably, may even be in the top five. I've never really sat down recently and, you know, tried to put together my top five or whatever. But anybody who's been watching this knows that Dawn of the Dead is my number one. And that'll probably always be the case just because it's such a seminal movie for me at the time when I saw it. Uh, but this is probably in there in the top five, I'm going to say. Hard, hard to you argue. Really yeah. yeah. Hard to argue. Donnie, what do you say? All right. So, uh, yeah, I mean, this is a horror classic. Exceptional effects, uh, you know, and they still hold up today. Yeah. You know, um, I echo pretty much everything Smoke said, uh, and I'm going to echo the rating as well. Five stars. Yeah. I don't think think there's much more I need to say about it. It's five stars. Uh, One of my top 10, top 15 horror movies of all time. I don't, like you said, Smoke, I don't know exactly where to place it, but yeah. it's in there, dude. It's top 10, top 15. You know, I'd have to sit and think about it and stew on it, but yeah, this is a great movie. Everything about it, the the, the effects, oh, yeah. the cinematography, the direction, even the soundtrack, although it doesn't sound necessarily like Morricone, uh, it's, <laughs> it's more Carpenter-esque, but still, it's still great. You know, in the movie, it's great. Um, Awesome flick. Awesome flick. I've seen it a number of times. I don't know how many, and I'll probably see it a number of times more before I check out. So can't say much more than that about the thing. And like, like we said, it'll be interesting to see what Will has to say about it. Cause I think it's the first time he watched it. So, uh, even he would recognize, I, I think if nothing else, where this movie places in the pantheon of, of uh, horror flicks, you know? So if for nothing else than that, I'm sure he'll have a higher rating, but we'll see. It's all downhill from here. I say. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, like, there's only only one place for us to go, and we'll tell you because I, I think you can't go much better. But I, I, we'll tell you what that's going to be here in a second. But before we do all that, connections from the crates. <laughs> right, wrap it up, buddy. Yep. All right. So. Uh, uh, for the cast, yeah, actually, I was really just looking for maybe, you know, one or two uh, big ones, but uh, we've got several with one connection each. Uh, we've got um, Kurt Russell, uh, which we covered on Deepwater Horizon just a, just a couple week. weeks back. No, it was just last week. Yeah. yeah. Oh, was it? Was yeah. it last week? Yeah. <laughs> My dumbass. Yeah. Um, I didn't disagree. Right, so, I'm not disagreeing. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Appreciate that. Uh, Bum. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, hey, you picked barbed wire, not me. <laughs> Fuck you. That's true. All right. So, uh, Kurt Russell with uh, Deepwater Horizon, uh, Wilford Brimley. He was in uh, 10 to Midnight when we covered it. Oh, shit. Uh, Keith David was uh, in You Might Be the Killer. Uh, oh, Thomas Waits was in that. The Warriors. Adrian Barbeau. Uh, she was actually a uh, one of the, well, I guess it was the, the voice of the computer 
Yeah. And she was in uh, Creep Show, yeah. 1982, when we covered that. Huh. So that co- that covers the cast. Uh, we've also got uh, the crew. We talked about John Carpenter uh, back when we did the you know the newer Halloween trilogy, um, and then there were also several uh, makeup effects crew um, who had also done uh, past past Spook Show episodes of The Howling, Evil Dead Two. An American Werewolf in London, Videodrome, The Monster Squad, Independence Day, Fight Club, and Mannequin. Mannequin. Hmm. <laughs> I knew, yeah, yeah, yeah. I need like that. So that uh, will naturally lead us to the kill count, but Will's not here for it. But I kind of unofficially got the number at twelve. Uh, but we'll we'll let him get the final number, you know, when he's able to give it to us. But until then. Let's talk about the kill reel. Highlight kill. This is a tough one. Yeah, I was about to say, how do you pick? There's some really good ones here. I am going to say, uh, who was the guy we were just talking about that really fucking gets it hard? Uh, <laughs> the guy that becomes the spider head or Vance? Maybe it was, no, you're right, is right. It's Vance Norris. That's him. That's the guy. Uh, yeah, him. Because he gets it about five ways from Sunday. So there's a lot of good ones here, and it's hard to really pinpoint, but I think that one and it's very memorable because of everything that happens to him, because he turns into that fucking spider head, you know, everything that happens there, I think it's just one of the more memorable spots of the movie. So that's what I'm going to go with. But, you know, I think all that being said, it's a natural, natural uh, progression to... Gore score. Anybody who's seen this knows how gory it is, and it's for it being an R-rated movie. It's probably, certainly one of the most, if not the most, you know, gore-filled, you know, horror movie of the '80s. I mean, later on, you know, they kind of relaxed the R rating a bit once you get into these current era, and you can get away with a lot more gore and R today's R-rated movies than you could back then. But uh, yeah, it's it's got to be one of the goriest R-rated movies in the '80s. It's kind of you know. Splitting hair is whether here whether you give it, and I don't think I'm gonna go full ten on it, because I think there's other you know there's other things we've covered on the show and other things we'll get to that are, are certainly gorier, but uh, I think I'm gonna go right to a nine with it. I mean, there's so much cool like effects in this movie too, and they're uh, they're of that variety that are they're they're I don't know if you call them fun necessarily, but they're definitely not mean spirited gore type stuff. Like uh, that's kind of where the cutoff is there, and like say once we do something like Cannibal Holocaust, we're gonna have to have a total different. You know, some other, some ultra, <laughs> ultra gore rating or whatever for that, because this movie's got a lot of gore in it, but it's all of a sci-fi horror variety that's sort of uh, inventive, you know, coming out. You could you could just tell that they gave Rob Bottin licenses, like, you know, do what you can. Do it, whatever you can do here, come up with, go for it. And that whole scene, like you talked about, the favorite kill count scene, or not kill count, the favorite kill scene of uh, Norris getting it. And just the whole lead up to the defibrillator going through his chest and then the arms getting ripped off. And then is then Norris's head dropping off the table and like sprouting legs and all that. Just an amazing scene. Yeah. Uh, but then there's the dog scene, which is messed up. You know, the, you know, the whole split head thing, flowering thing with the tentacles coming out. And then there's the, uh, God, I mean, you can just keep going with this movie as far as effects and gore. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to go with a nine on it. Yeah. Hard to argue. I mean, you, you could even argue with 10. I mean, it's there. There are definitely gorier out there, but this is 
This is pretty uh, messed up, <laughs> to say the least. Uh, very effective stuff. So, yeah, there we go. I guess that's where we'll leave it. Uh, like we teased just a few minutes ago where we're going from here. I mean, not to shit on the next movie, but it ain't the thing. So I think it's, I think it's gradually back downhill and then back up again, you know, eventually. Uh, but the next movie that we're going to be doing is snakes on a plane. Samuel, is it now correct me if I'm wrong, Donnie, you probably know better. Is this the first Samuel Jackson, the time we've seen him in anything? Um, I, I can do a quick check. I, I don't have it right in front of me. I don't I, honestly, I don't think so. No, no, it's not. I think he plays a bit part somewhere. Maybe, um, but nothing like to this degree where he's like one of the main guys or anything like that. If, if at mm-hmm. best he's like, you know, guy number three in the background or something. Cause I'm, just, you know what? I'm not it's thinking. not because we did good fellas. Yeah. Once again, that was a small, I mean, yeah, he was in it. You're right. But it was a small, small part, you know, not like this. So for one of the first big ones, how about that? Yeah. As far as him being one of the stars of the movie. But yeah, there you go. Snakes on a plane from 2006. Now this movie like was purposefully kind of campy. If I recall, you know what? They were leaning in on the fact that it's about a fun- bunch of snakes on a plane, you know? So like, it was kind of going for that little bit of cheese factor. So there's some comedy there. Uh, I haven't seen it since back in the day, so I'm looking forward to checking it out again. The brief IMDb synopsis. An FBI agent takes on a plane full of deadly venomous snakes, deliberately released to kill a witness being flown from Honolulu Honolulu to Los Angeles to testify against the mob boss. So I, I remember there being like kind of a loose premise there. It's like, how the fuck did this happen? But yeah, I think there's, I think there's going to be some fun to be had here though. I bet you anything though, the CGI in this shit looks horrible now. <laughs> Yeah, we're going to go from the thing, you know, to to this. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, well. You like, know, uh, some of the best practical effects ever yeah, to dude, some horrible you 2006 know. CGI. We'll, we'll find <laughs> out. We'll find, We'll see how it holds up. That That's more of the question for this one, I think, is how does it hold up? You know, for well, one thing better than Snakes on a Train. I don't doubt that. that uh, which, which came in, <laughs> I think, uh, if I remember correctly, a pretty close second on Crapster Piece this past month. So we, yeah. we came yeah. this we came this fucking close to having to watch them both. Luckily, I think <laughs> yeah. luckily we're watching the better of the two. So next week will be snakes on a plane, and then we're we're truly coming down the home stretch. After that, we've only got after snakes on a plane, we've only got one movie, and then we've got a couple things going on on the YouTube channel, and then that'll be it for the uh, Spook Show Summer Disaster. We'll be wrapping it up on August twenty first. So only a few weeks left. The disaster is almost wrapping up for the summer. So gonna wrap it up with a bang. Yeah, nice. a bit. Yeah. So that's it. Hopefully, Will can uh, be here next week for uh, everything we got going on for old snakes on a plane, and uh, yeah, we'll get his thoughts on uh, the last couple of weeks of movies that he's missed. So, for uh, Donnie, Professor Smoke, I'm Josh. We are the All American Spook Show, and we will talk to you next week for those motherfucking snakes on the motherfucking plane. <laughs> See y'all. So goodbye, everybody, and remember, please, for the next day or so, the terrible lesson you learned tonight. <laughs>